Ailmate, President Trump's campaign promised to build a wall along our border with Mexico. All through his run for the White House, Trump promised that Mexico would pay for the wall from his very first speech at Trump Tower. But now, he's refusing to sign legislation that would fund nine of 15 federal departments, dozens of agencies, unless Democrats agree to more than $5 billion in taxpayer funding to start building that barrier. And with neither side budging, the shutdown is starting to bite. National parks closed, other programs curtailed. Some 800,000 federal employees furloughed or working for free. Paychecks set to go out Friday will not be delivered. The president's going to speak about eight minutes, expected to argue that a wall is needed to combat a national security and humanitarian crisis at the border. Then House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and the top Democrat in the Senate, Chuck Schumer, will respond for the Democrats. Here now, the president. My fellow Americans, tonight I am speaking to you because there is a growing humanitarian and security crisis at our southern border. Every day, Customs and Border Patrol agents encounter thousands of illegal immigrants trying to enter our country. We are out of space to hold them, and we have no way to promptly return them back home to their country. America proudly welcomes millions of lawful immigrants who enrich our society and contribute to our nation. But all Americans are hurt by uncontrolled illegal migration. It strains public resources and drives down jobs and wages. Among those hardest hit are African Americans and Hispanic Americans. Our southern border is a pipeline for vast quantities of illegal drugs, including meth, heroin, cocaine, and fentanyl. Every week, 300 of our citizens are killed by heroin alone, 90% of which floods across from our southern border. More Americans will die from drugs this year than were killed in the entire Vietnam War. In the last two years, ICE officers made 266,000 arrests of aliens with criminal records, including those charged or convicted of 100,000 assaults, 30,000 sex crimes, and 4,000 violent killings. Over the years, thousands of Americans have been brutally killed by those who illegally entered our country, and thousands more lives will be lost if we don't act right now. This is a humanitarian crisis, a crisis of the heart, and a crisis of the soul. Last month, 20,000 migrant children were illegally brought into the United States, a dramatic increase. These children are used as human pawns by vicious coyotes and ruthless gangs. One in three women are sexually assaulted on the dangerous trek up through Mexico. Women and children are the biggest victims, by far, of our broken system. This is the tragic reality of illegal immigration on our southern border. This is the cycle of human suffering that I am determined to end. My administration has presented Congress with a detailed proposal to secure the border and stop the criminal gangs, drug smugglers, and human traffickers. It's a tremendous problem. Our proposal was developed by law enforcement professionals and border agents at the Department of Homeland Security. 
these are the resources they have requested to properly perform their mission and keep America safe. In fact, safer than ever before. The proposal from Homeland Security includes cutting-edge technology for detecting drugs, weapons, illegal contraband, and many other things. We have requested more agents, immigration judges, and bed space to process the sharp rise in unlawful migration fueled by our very strong economy. Our plan also contains an urgent request for humanitarian assistance and medical support. Furthermore, we have asked Congress to close border security loopholes so that illegal immigrant children can be safely and humanely returned back home. Finally, as part of an overall approach to border security, law enforcement professionals have requested $5.7 billion for a physical barrier. At the request of Democrats, it will be a steel barrier rather than a concrete wall. This barrier is absolutely critical to border security. It's also what our professionals at the border want and need. This is just common sense. The border wall would very quickly pay for itself. The cost of illegal drugs exceeds $500 billion a year, vastly more than the $5.7 billion we have requested from Congress. The wall will also be paid for indirectly by the great new trade deal we have made with Mexico. Senator Chuck Schumer, who you will be hearing from later tonight, has repeatedly supported a physical barrier in the past, along with many other Democrats. They changed their mind only after I was elected president. Democrats in Congress have refused to acknowledge the crisis. And they have refused to provide our brave border agents with the tools they desperately need to protect our families and our nation. The federal government remains shut down for one reason and one reason only, because Democrats will not fund border security. My administration is doing everything in our power to help those impacted by the situation. But the only solution is for Democrats to pass a spending bill that defends our borders and reopens the government. This situation could be solved in a 45-minute meeting. I have invited congressional leadership to the White House tomorrow to get this done. Hopefully, we can rise above partisan politics in order to support national security. Some have suggested a barrier is immoral. Then why do wealthy politicians build walls, fences, and gates around their homes? They don't build walls because they hate the people on the outside, but because they love the people on the inside. The only thing that is immoral is the politicians to do nothing and continue to allow more innocent people to be so horribly victimized. America's heart broke the day after Christmas, when a young police officer in California was savagely murdered in cold blood by an illegal alien who just came across the border. 
the life of an American hero was stolen by someone who had no right to be in our country. Day after day, precious lives are cut short by those who have violated our borders. In California, an Air Force veteran was raped, murdered, and beaten to death with a hammer by an illegal alien with a long criminal history. In Georgia, an illegal alien was recently charged with murder for killing, beheading, and dismembering his neighbor. In Maryland, MS-13 gang members who arrived in the United States as unaccompanied minors were arrested and charged last year after viciously stabbing and beating a 16-year-old girl. Over the last several years, I've met with dozens of families whose loved ones were stolen by illegal immigration. I've held the hands of the weeping mothers and embraced the grief-stricken fathers. So sad, so terrible. I will never forget the pain in their eyes, the tremble in their voices, and the sadness gripping their souls. How much more American blood must we shed before Congress does its job? To those who refuse to compromise in the name of border security, I would ask, imagine if it was your child, your husband, or your wife whose life was so cruelly shattered and totally broken. To every member of Congress, pass a bill that ends this crisis. To every citizen, call Congress and tell them to finally, after all of these decades, secure our border. This is a choice between right and wrong, justice and injustice. This is about whether we fulfill our sacred duty to the American citizens we serve. When I took the oath of office, I swore to protect our country. And that is what I will always do. So help me God. Thank you and good night. There you have it. President Trump wrapping up his first address from the Oval Office, making that case for his border wall, calling the situation on our border a crisis of the heart, a crisis of the soul, saying it can only be solved if Democrats come to the table and approve more than $5 billion in funding for that border wall. I want to bring in our senior White House correspondent, Cecilia Vegas. See, let's start out with this idea of crisis. The president used that word several times in the speech, but the overall numbers of immigrants coming across that border far down from its peak. Just because you say it's a crisis, George, doesn't necessarily make it one. So let's go over a few facts here. Apprehensions of illegal crossings, as you say, have been on the decline for decades. They have, however, been picking up in the last year and in recent months. And that is something that this administration likes to hammer down hard on and repeatedly use in their talking points. He also talked about the, the number of drugs that are used in coming across this border. But I've got to say, virtually all heroin, many fact checks have shown, comes through legal points of entry. We are hearing the president make the case to declare a national emergency. That seems to be what's happening here. But I got to say, George, behind the scenes, up until even late today, these White House lawyers here were still trying to figure out whether this is something he can actually do. 
Yeah, and he has not yet declared that. He did not declare that in the speech. Tonight, I want to bring in our chief White House correspondent, John Carl, as well. John, we did have a mention from the president that Mexico would pay for the wall. He repeated this claim that somehow this new U.S.-Mexico free trade agreement is going to make Mexico pay for the wall. Number one, the agreement has not been approved yet by Congress, even if it is. There's no, there's no provision in there to make Mexico pay for the wall. George, there is absolutely no provision in that trade deal that would have Mexico pay for the wall. It is a relatively minor reworking of NAFTA, uh, some changes, but not changes that bring in additional revenue from Mexico to pay for this wall. And remember, that promise made by the president some 200 times during the campaign was a very direct one. It said Mexico would pay for the wall. It didn't say indirectly through a trade deal. It said Mexico would pay for the wall, and that is not happening. And I also want to bring in our senior congressional correspondent, Mary Bruce, there on Capitol Hill. Mary, we're about to hear from the House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, Democratic leader in the Senate, uh, Chuck Schumer. Uh, the president's saying there that only the Democrats can solve this right now. They're adamantly opposed to funding the wall. But he also added this claim that uh, he, has, he has changed his calls for the wall to a steel barrier at the request of Democrats, he says. Yeah, and I'm told that's simply not true. Look, Democrats up here on the Hill say it doesn't matter what this is made of whether it's steel slats or the concrete wall that the president long promised, Democrats simply are not going to spend $5.7 billion in taxpayer dollars to build this wall. The White House continues to insist this was a concession that the president put on the table. That simply is not how Democrats see it. And no matter what it's made of, it's not going to be enough to get Democrats to cave or budge here whatsoever, George. At least not yet. We are about to hear from the Democrats. We're going to hear from the House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. We should also say that the president has invited uh, the eight top congressional leaders to come to the White House tomorrow morning for another meeting, the first negotiation in days. But there is no sign yet this negotiation is going to go anywhere. We're now going to go to the Capitol. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, Democratic Leader Chuck Schumer. Good evening. I appreciate the opportunity to speak directly to the American people tonight about how we can end this shutdown and meet the needs of the American people. Sadly, much of what we heard from President Trump throughout this sense of shutdown has been full of misinformation and even malice. The president has chosen fear. We want to start with the facts. The fact is, on the very first day of this Congress, House Democrats passed Senate Republican legislation to reopen government and fund smart, effective border security solutions. But the president is rejecting these bipartisan bills which would reopen government over his obsession with for forcing American taxpayers to waste billions of dollars on an expensive and ineffective wall, a wall he always promised Mexico would pay for. The fact is, President Trump has chosen to hold hostage critical services for the health, safety, and well-being of the American people and withhold the paychecks of 800,000 innocent workers across the nation, many of them veterans. He promised to keep government shut down for months or years, no matter whom it hurts. That's just plain wrong. The fact is, we all agree we need to secure our borders while honoring our values. We can build the infrastructure and roads at our ports of entry. We can install new technology to scan cars and trucks for drugs coming into our nation. We can hire the personnel we need to facilitate trade and immigration at the border. We can fund more innovation to detect unauthorized crossings. The fact is, the women and children at the border are not a security threat. They are a humanitarian challenge, a challenge that President Trump's own cruel and counterproductive policies have only deepened. 
And the fact is, President Trump must stop holding the American people hostage, must stop manufacturing a crisis, and must reopen the government. Thank you. Leader Schumer. Thank you, Speaker Pelosi. My fellow Americans, we address you tonight for one reason only. The President of the United States, having failed to get Mexico to pay for his ineffective, unnecessary border wall, and unable to convince the Congress or the American people to foot the bill, has shut down the government. American democracy doesn't work that way. We don't govern by temper tantrum. No president should pound the table and demand he gets his way or else the government shuts down, hurting millions of Americans who are treated as leverage. Tonight and throughout this debate and throughout his presidency, President Trump has appealed to fear, not facts, division, not unity. Make no mistake, Democrats and the President both want stronger border security. However, we sharply disagree with the President about the most effective way to do it. So, how do we untangle this mess? Well, there's an obvious solution. Separate the shutdown from arguments over border security. There is bipartisan legislation supported by Democrats and Republicans to reopen government while allowing debate over border security to continue. There is no excuse for hurting millions of Americans over a policy difference. Federal workers are about to miss a paycheck. Some families can't get a mortgage to buy a new home. Farmers and small businesses won't get loans they desperately need. Most presidents have used Oval Office addresses for noble purposes. This president just used the backdrop of the Oval Office to manufacture a crisis, stoke fear, and divert attention from the turmoil in his administration. My fellow Americans, there is no challenge so great that our nation cannot rise to meet it. We can reopen the government and continue to work through disagreements over policy. We can secure our border without an ineffective, expensive wall. And we can welcome legal immigrants and refugees without compromising safety and security. The symbol of America should be the Statue of Liberty, not a 30-foot wall. So our suggestion is a simple one. Mr. President, reopen the government, and we can work to resolve our differences over border security but end this shutdown now. Thank you. So there you've had it. We've heard from the president. We've heard from the Democrats. It sure does not sound like we're going to get a compromise anytime soon. We are going to return now to our regular programming. For many of you in the West, that is World News Tonight with David Muir. And our special reports are going to continue right now on ABC News Live. That's our 24-7 streaming channel on abcnews.com. Much more tonight on Nightline. And I'll see you tomorrow on GMA. And thanks, George. Thanks so much. And great to have you with us here on ABC News Live. I'm joined with our deputy political director, Mary Alice Parks. There you heard it uh, from the president, as George was saying, a softening of tone, perhaps, by the president, as teased by the White House, but certainly not a position, Mary Alice, the president digging in uh, on the shutdown claim with his, his discussion of a border crisis, as he described it. Democrats saying they're willing to work with the president on security, 
but not until they reopen the government. And the president might have softened his tone when it came to describing what a barrier on the southern border would look like, but it wasn't a soft speech. It was a very grim, dark speech, uh, painting a picture of a crime-ridden United States and really accusing Democrats of not being willing to invest in border security. Of course, then Democrats followed up by saying they were willing to invest in border security, but that the wall was a symbol that they were not willing to get behind. All right, something that has divided this town uh, now since Trump took office some two years ago, 719 days to be exact. Let's take a listen to that central claim uh, that you were talking about, Mary Alice, the president accusing the Democrats of not supporting border security. Take a listen. Democrats in Congress have refused to acknowledge the crisis, and they have refused to provide our brave border agents with the tools they desperately need to protect our families and our nation. The federal government remains shut down for one reason and one reason only, because Democrats will not fund border security. Now, let's do a quick fact check with that. If you're just uh, following along here, Mary Alice, Democrats uh, just earlier this year, earlier and last year as well, voted in favor of increasing uh, funds for border security. In fact, just over a uh, billion dollars. Uh, but it's the wall that's the sticking point. So the president, uh, not quite accurate in, in that claim. And as we heard from Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, they want to do this. They're not in favor of the wall. They are willing to talk about some of these measures to stem the tide of drugs, crime along the border, uh, the influx of migrant fam families, which we've seen, uh, is at significant numbers right now. Uh, but the, the devil's in the details, and particularly when it comes to the wall. Right. The president is talking about steel slats, a fence. It doesn't need to be concrete. But any conversation of the wall has cemented Democrats' opposition. They are talking about this being a symbol that they see as fundamentally un-American. You heard uh, Leader Schumer there saying that the symbol of America should be the Statue of Liberty, not a 30-foot barrier. They are totally dug in behind the idea that there will not be funding for a physical barrier on the wall. But they said they want to come to the table and don't want those other agencies held hostage. They want to open the other agencies. And you saw the president sort of hint at that, too. You get the sense that both parties know they have to start working together. I mean, that's how it works. You have to compromise in divided government if we're going to get those federal uh, employees their paychecks. Yeah. Yeah, it's clear 800,000 federal workers across the country, not just in this town, uh, facing uh, no paychecks as soon as Friday. That's the first pay period uh, since the shutdown began 18 days ago. So there is a, an increased sense of urgency in this town uh, over those paychecks, and the financial bite from this shutdown is really about to hit even harder. Uh, we do know uh, that the president is inviting those leaders to the White House tomorrow. It'll be the first time since last week that Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer uh, will go there to negotiate. Let's go to the White House right now, where our senior your uh, White House correspondent Cecilia Vega is reporting. Cecilia, um, give us the view from there right now. There was a lot riding on this uh, moment for President Trump, his first major Oval Office address. They made clear that he was intending to use this uh, moment as a point of leverage to get those Democrats on board. Uh, what's your sense of early reaction if you're hearing anything so far? Yeah, the president really using the bully pulpit and, and using it, as you say, from the first time from the Oval Office during a prime time address. We know that he was uh, working on this 
speech uh, up until the last minute today. And, and frankly, that behind the scenes here at the White House, his lawyers have really been heavily, the White House lawyers, I should say, have been uh, heavily involved in trying to figure out whether the president can actually declare uh, a national emergency when it comes to the border, a national crisis when it comes to the border and the situation there. Uh, you know, that was what we were looking for going into this. Would he or would he not make that actual declaration, which we now know he has not? Uh, but as you guys have been saying, there is no end to this shutdown fight. There is no end to uh, this discussion of who or who will not be paying for the wall and will there be a wall built. Um, you know, I, I've got to say, because you call it a crisis doesn't necessarily make it a crisis. And the president came into this, frankly, with a credibility crisis. Uh, he had he and, and his team had been using a number of false statements to try and, and sell this notion of a $5.7 billion funding for his border wall. And, uh, and frankly, there were, as you guys have just been pointing out, a number of falsehoods issued yet again tonight. Cecilia Vega at the White House, thanks so much. Much more coming up from you on uh, GMA tomorrow. Let's go to Capitol Hill now, where our senior congressional correspondent, uh, Mary Bruce, is standing by. She's tracking the other side of the story. Mary, uh, give us any early reaction you're hearing from lawmakers up there. I know it's about to rain, perhaps an <laughs> ominous sign of what's coming tomorrow. Uh, but, you know, for Democrats, this was a big deal as well, to steal some of the national spotlight tonight in prime time to counter the president and really push back on these claims that they're not about border security. Yeah, and you heard from the Democratic leaders there why they felt this was so important. They said they, they demanded equal time because they felt that the president's statement was full of malice and misinformation. But it is just remarkable that once again we have both sides outlining very clearly their position, but absolutely no glimmers of any middle ground or compromise. In fact, what's really astounding is that as this shutdown has dragged on now in day 18, the impasse has only deepened, Devin. And you heard from Democrats uh, there previewing what's to come, which is that they are going to continue as long as this shutdown lasts, to try and force Republicans' hands, force the president by ramping up the pressure, continuing to pass measures that would reopen the government but not provide that, that $5.7 million, that the billion that the president is asking for for his wall. And they're really trying to, to put the pressure on Mitch McConnell, the Senate Republican leader. Today, uh, uh, they essentially brought the business of the Senate to a screeching halt by saying that they are not going to pass any other legislation until Mitch McConnell agrees to bring up a measure that would fund the government. But Mitch McConnell has made very clear he will do no such thing. He will not bring up any funding bill until he is sure that the president will get on board. But Mary, one of the things that has changed uh, just in the past 24 hours is a number of cracks in the Senate Republican conference. We've started to see a number of Republicans start to hint that they could move towards supporting Democrats in reopening the government movement towards Nancy Pelosi's argument tonight, of all things. Yeah, and Devin, we are tracking these members very closely because it's becoming increasingly clear that a lot of Republicans are simply getting very uncomfortable with this shutdown, especially as many of their constituents begin to feel the real impacts of this. Uh, there are now a handful uh, of Republicans, many of whom are up for re-election in 2020, who have said they think it is time to reopen the government with or without the funding for the president's wall. The president seems well aware of this, which is one of the reasons why the president will be here on the Hill tomorrow meeting with rank-and-file Senate Republicans to try, presumably, to get them in line uh, behind his fight for his border wall.
Yeah, up on the hill before hosting that summit at the White House. Mary Bruce, thanks so much. Get inside, stay dry. Appreciate your reporting. Uh, we're joined now by ABC News contributor John Cohen, former DHS official. And John, we were talking during the speech, uh, a couple of striking facets there. The president didn't mention the wall until about five minutes into the speech, and he made no mention of the terrorists' claim, which has tripped up the administration in the past few days. Yeah, I found that really interesting. Um, one, he seemed to be talking much more about the concept of border security, which is a combination of people, technology, and some barriers where it makes sense. And he sounded, quite frankly, like some of the Democrats on Capitol Hill who have been talking about the concept of border security. And it was very stark, no mention of terrorism. And I think in large part that has to do with the skepticism that has met the Secretary of Homeland Security and Department of and Homeland Security. Us, what, what is the truth on the terrorism factoid? That our terrorists come across from Mexico? Have there been any caught? What, what's, what's the actual bottom line and there? Since September 11th, intelligence officials and border security officials have always speculated that terrorist groups would try to go into Mexico, go into Central America, and then sneak into the country to conduct attacks. But what we have found is that's just not the case. Um, and in part, it's because it's difficult to get here from there. Um, and secondly, they know that we have a lot of border security, so there's easier ways for them to get in the country. So even this administration's data and intelligence uh, states very clearly that there just is not a large flow of terrorists coming from Latin America. We were talking earlier about the tone of the president's speech there, and he laid into a lot of really graphic, brutal details of some crimes committed by illegal immigrants. And during the speech, you were talking about how the impression there, the implication, was perhaps not true. That, that immigrants don't commit crimes at a different rate. Explain that to us. Yeah, the rhetoric of this administration would suggest that immigrants, and in particular illegal immigrants, are responsible for, you know, most of the violent crime facing our country. And statistics, incarceration rates, crime reporting, just that's not the case. Uh, they, they paint a very different picture. And in fact, immigrants and even illegal immigrants are responsible for much less crime than native-born people. And John, so before we let you go, uh, it's great to have your perspective because you've studied the border issues mm -hmm. for so many years, spent a lot of time down there, obviously know very well the Border Patrol agents and others who, who patrol that area. I mean, is it even possible to have an entirely secure border? I mean, are we chasing a mythical, um, you know, ideal here that the thing could be completely sealed? I mean, uh, it does seem that from Democrats, rational Republicans, you do hear that at a certain point there is a lot of hype here. We do a pretty good job keeping it contained. Uh, you know, when is enough enough? Well, we need a secure border. We need to stop terrorists and criminals and drugs from coming into uh, the country. And we need to, uh, to to stop illegal immigration from coming across the border. And there are humanitarian issues that need to be addressed. Uh, but border professionals, law enforcement professionals will tell you it's a combination of several things. It's good intelligence, knowing how the traffickers and the smugglers operate. It's using that intelligence to develop adaptive strategies. In some cases, it's using barriers. In some cases, it's using sensors technology. In other cases, it's putting more people on the border, but it's being able to adapt, because if you put a barrier in one place, the smugglers and the traffickers are going to go to a different place. And if they can't get across the land border, they're going to simply go to the Atlantic Ocean, the Pacific Ocean, or the Caribbean. So the problem here is that if you put all your money uh, and put most of your resources uh, into building a large barrier across large land areas, that's money that's not going to be available for the programs, the, the capabilities that we need to address the problems at the a border. A big conversation that needs to be had. Hopefully a fuller conversation once the government reopens uh, and Congress is actually able to function fully and wholly in this town with all the agencies participating in that. Mary Alice Parks, Deputy Political Director, thanks so much for your analysis uh, tomorrow morning in the note at abcnews.com. Always great to have John Cohen here with us.
us. Uh, you know, our, we have an entire team here at ABC News in the Washington Bureau that's been fact-checking this debate since it's been raging uh, over the past few weeks. And I want to take you inside uh, the ABC News uh, team here right now. <clears throat> we have a, a whole host of experts at ABC News that cover uh, everything from Pennsylvania Avenue, that's the Congress and the White House, to the Justice Department. We have a, a global affairs unit as well that covers the State Department. All these experts tonight have been taking a look at a number of the claims that have been bandied about by both sides in this border wall debate, seeking to get to the bottom of it. And I want to bring in one of our experts right now. This is Justin Fischel. Uh, he coordinates our Pennsylvania Avenue team. He's been looking at... Uh, good to see you, buddy. Hey. Uh, he's been looking at a number of claims tonight yes. by President Trump. And let's start so, with this, this, this big one about, is it an emergency? Well, it was the opening claim, right? The opening claim from the president is that I'm speaking here tonight because there's a growing humanitarian and security crisis at our southern border. That's been the debate. Is there really a crisis? It depends on how you're measuring it. If you are measuring the crisis by the flow of migrants alone, it's hard to say that now is a crisis compared to what we've seen before. For example, in 2001, under George Bush, there were 1.6 million uh, migrants flowing across the border. And these and are numbers, these are numbers from the Department of Homeland Security. Come from the Customs and Border Patrol. Okay. So, in, under Obama, those dropped significantly. We're talking 500,000, hovered around there. And now, under Trump, his first year, we saw just over 300,000 apprehensions at the border. The significant drop. But the key here is that number went up about 90,000 after his first year in office. He did not like that. He is focused on that. He is calling it a crisis, but you have to look at the bigger picture. Is it a crisis compared to what we've seen historically over the past? two decades, I can tell you the numbers are way, way lower now. So crisis, emergency, the terminology could somewhat be in the eye of the beholder, Absolutely. but the numbers tell a very interesting story when you look 10, 20 years out, very low inflows of undocumented immigrants right, right now. now. Now, the other, I mean, the, it, was a, it was a quick... You know, concise. He had he had well-scripted uh, uh, remarks tonight, which is is not always the case. Now, but the but the other one that he has repeated a number of times that we found it was that the USMCA. That's this new trade deal that he's right. Negotiated. Mexico was supposed to pay for the wall. The president tonight seemed so the, to imply I, again. I mean, the basic one there is if, if Mexico is paying for it, why are we having this discussion? Why is the government shut down right now? Why are we holding this whole thing up until we get taxpayer dollars to pay for it? So, but, but the bottom line is that um, the USMCA deal itself has not been approved by Congress. Congress needs to get that done first before anyone can start claiming that this deal will pay for it. And even then, it's going to be hard to tie whatever savings you might interpret from that on trade to 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 government coffers to paying for the wall itself so it's yeah the it, president it tonight even said up. that that was an indirect in right. his view an indirect payment by mexico we'll see that's a hotly debated one perhaps a campaign promise uh that uh, is still yet unfulfilled obviously uh since it hasn't been uh, agreed to by congress thanks yeah. for coming over course, justin and we know you have uh, fact check friday that's is a regular right. feature a, that is regular uh, on abcnews.com out there. Thanks so much, All buddy. Right, uh, well, it's not just the Capitol Hill and White House units that are tracking, uh, fact-checking some of these statements. Tonight, we have our Justice Department team. Uh, this is our guy at the Justice Department, Jack Date. Good to see you, Jack. Good to see you. You are our senior producer covering all of these agencies, DHS, Border Patrol, uh, and the like. And you were paying close attention tonight to some of the president's claims about drugs coming into this country. <laughs> what, what have you found? Those claims were largely accurate. So he, he cited several drugs, meth, heroin, 
cocaine and fentanyl flowing over the border in large quantities. And that tracks exactly with what the DEA has put out in their 2018 drug threat assessment report that that's where the drugs are coming from, largely through the south southwest border. However, they're coming in through ports of entry, largely as well. So those are so the legal entry points is where the drugs right. are coming and, and, and from, not through the desert. Well, some of it are certainly coming to the desert as well. But according to the DEA, a large amount of it is coming through legal ports of entry, being smuggled in through vehicles, stashed in vehicles and gas tanks in in other compartments and passenger vehicles, also shipped in containers uh, um, through through commerce. So stashed in vegetables or in furniture or other things that are coming in uh, through Mexico. And, and what have you seen, Jack, in terms of the, the the level, the amount of drugs coming in? The president seems to say, I mean, obviously we're in the midst of an opioid crisis, an opioid Precisely. epidemic right now. Is that because of Mexico? Is it because of the drugs coming in from the southern border? Or it's, it's, look, the Mexican cartels largely control the heroin trade in this country, and, and most of the drugs, uh, heroin, is coming in from Mexico uh, through the southwest border. So that's certainly true. Uh, other opi opioids, though, it gets a little more murky because uh, fentanyl, which is really driving the death crisis that we have, you know, if you're looking for a real crisis, fentanyl is the real crisis. That's that's driving a lot of the overdose deaths in this country. And, and when the president says the number of overdose deaths exceeded the number of people that died in the Vietnam War, he's right about that. That first happened in 2016, it happened again in 2017. It's expected to increase again in 2018, according to law enforcement sources I talked to. So, yeah, it's it's it's, it's, a, it's a big problem. Everybody agrees it's a problem. But, but when it comes fentanyl, to the wall, well, well, so when it comes to the wall, fentanyl is a complicated problem. So it's also coming from China, uh -huh. and increasingly it's been ordered, being ordered on the dark web, and it's being shipped by parcel couriers. So you know. Uh, you know, FedEx, DHL, uh, U.S. Mail, other things like that, uh, deliver to people's doorsteps. And so <laughs> the border wall is not going to help that problem at all. And it, 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 that's that's becoming a more thorny problem and a complicated one with that. All right. Well, thanks for talking to us, Jack. Sure. We have a lot of work left to do tonight. Thank you so much for all these fact checks from Jack, Justin, and the entire team uh, here at ABC News. Go to abcnews.com, download the app. We've got a full fact check going right now, both the Democrats' uh, statements tonight and the Republicans, the president's statements. We'll keep that going uh, through the rest of the week. Meantime, 800,000 federal workers, have we've, we've been saying tonight, have been watching these speeches in primetime play out, concerned about their paychecks. Uh, thousands of contract workers, in addition, the businesses that rely on these people. Here at ABC News, we've been talking to a number of people impacted by this shutdown. Here are some of their voices now. Ultimately, at the end of the day, there's not a lot that I can do. I'm locked out of my job. I want to go to work. I want to do my job. And I'm being prevented to do from doing that. You're able to work. You, you made a commitment to this job. And, you know, right now, your bosses, which is the president, is not fulfilling their part of it. You, and that's something that's really, you know, um, I struggle with that. I may be at the food bank with the next guy trying to get something because we, you know, you run out of money. If the checks aren't coming in, that means there's no money. I have all of these other things that are going on in my life, you know, and now I have to worry about not getting a check. I will be honest, I, I actually Google Uber and Lyft. And I, what I Googled was like, hey, is it safe? You know, kind of an accident around. Should I do this? When I don't have multi-million dollars, you know, in the bank, I don't have family that has that. I don't have friends that have the kind of resources you can do where you can actually decide not to work and it's going to be okay. 
And we'll keep checking in with so many of our viewers who have been impacted by the shutdown. If you know of anyone impacted, you have a story to share, join us at abcnews.com politics. We have a shutdown uh, portal there. We'd love you to share uh, that story with us so we can get in touch with you. Uh, meantime, uh, it's not just the workers here across the country who are watching uh, tonight's developments, but those living along border communities along the southwest border, which is ground zero for this debate. That's where our senior national correspondent Matt Gutman is right now. He's been reporting today from Hidalgo, Hidalgo, Texas, there with the wall right behind him, uh, part of the fence there, I guess, that already exists. Matt, uh, give us your big takeaway from the speech tonight and uh, what you've been hearing from folks down in that community. I think the president, Kevin uh, Devin, would call these steel slats, uh, and they are, and they're pretty formidable and pretty robust and uh, about 20-some feet high we've been trying to measure. Um, I was actually surprised at the president's speech. It was in turn, in turns, very methodical and also quite gory at times when he started talking about uh, the carnage caused by what he said uh, were the killers and rapists and the people who've come across the border to wreak havoc in the United States. That's not exactly the message that we've been getting from Customs and Border Patrol officials who are talking about uh, a crisis here at the border, but not specifically a crisis of, of numbers. This is not uh, the 1.6 million migrants who crossed into the United States from Mexico mostly in 2001. We're talking about 300. 61,000 who've crossed. And these are most, mostly Central American migrants, mostly families with children, 22,000 children in the month of December alone. And this is what Customs and Border Protection is dealing with right now. And what they're asking for are resources to deal with this. Uh, they need more medics. They need better facilities, more beds to house these people who they've detained, many of them women, children, um, and some of them older people. So it's a very different crisis than the one that the president um, talked about, but one that does need to be dealt with, and one in which Customs and Border Protection and uh, Immigration and Customs Enforcement have said that they urgently need help with and more resources for as well. Devin. All right, Matt Gottman, thanks so much for your reporting, Matt. Uh, really important perspective down there from the border. We know you'll continue uh, reporting for all ABC News platforms tomorrow morning. Good morning, America, uh, as well. I want to go to our political director, Rick Klein, now, who's been watching uh, tonight's coverage and, of course, watched the speech uh, by President Trump and the Democrats as well. Let's bring in Rick Klein. Rick, I wanted to go to you for your big picture take right now. You know, we came into this speech on border security in the midst of a shutdown. Uh, as we've been discussing tonight here, uh, it doesn't seem all that much has, has changed. The needle doesn't appear to have moved. But where do you think things will stand tomorrow morning and going forward with this debate? Well, right now, we don't have a national emergency, but we do have a political emergency for President Trump. And I think it came through in the massively different tack that he tried. This was a, a different president trying out a different bag of tricks, I think, in, in an acknowledgment that he hasn't been able to move things, practically begging Democrats to come to the table, but not showing any likelihood to negotiate on his own. And, and it felt to me like the president is recognizing that what he has done so far in this, to his own frustration, has not worked. And he is acknowledging that he is, at this point, playing a losing hand. And how that spills over into tomorrow when he meets with Democrats and Republicans at the White House will be interesting. As interesting, potentially, will be when he meets with Senate Republicans. Because as you've noted, there are cracks in that so-called wall of support that the president has been able to enjoy inside his own Republican Party. That could be a major problem for him politically. To me, this is a president that recognizes that he just isn't winning right now. 
All right, Rick Klein, thanks so much for your analysis. We know you have much more tomorrow morning uh, in the note at abcnews.com. You can uh, follow the note and all of its political coverage, of course, on the ABC News app as well. Rick, thank you for that. And thank you so much for watching our special coverage uh, here tonight of the president's address to the nation and the Democratic response. If you missed any of the speeches from the president to the Democrats, our fact check and analysis here at ABC News, you can catch more of it right now, starting now.